welcome to the Sea Planters with the Cameron family. Thank you for joining us one more time as we discuss the word crossover. So when I heard this word for the first time, I actually thought of the process of achieving a new level of success, moving over into a new place. It reminded me of my family uh, members as we move from one point to another, a literal crossing over into a new level of experiences. I personally experienced that um, leaving the West Coast recently and coming over to the Southeast. Uh, we drove our vehicles through all types of different kinds of weather, um, hot, lots of rain, fog. We experienced all kinds of different climates just coming here. It took about five days, but it was really for me a crossover into a new life. Um, we did the move in obedience and it's essential to be in the right place so that you're ready to receive the blessings that are in store. My siblings, I believe, are about to embark on their own levels of a crossover. Michelle's career is crossing over into the boundaries of abundance. She will no longer struggle. The crossover may require a change of venue, which she is also prepared to undertake. Nicole is currently planning her crossover, which simultaneously changes her venue and accelerates her career as a physician. We're also hoping that our dad will actually be a part of our crossover and we, he'll be able to come closer to, to us at some point. So the first question that I have, which I'm going to refrain from answering, is what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word crossover or when you heard the word crossover? I'll start with Nicole. Hi, everyone. So I thought of um, change and like a doorway almost and, um, you know, being able to enter into something that's in front of you. So that those are the things that kind of came to mind. OK, thank you. So, Michelle, what did you think of when you heard the word crossover? Yes. Yeah, so I thought of I imagined you crossing like a bridge. So there's a bridge leading from one place to the other, like a footbridge is what came to mind. And you're walking across the bridge. And so you're definitely leaving one side of whatever water is below. Usually it's a river or something. You're crossing over from that point over to the, the other side. So that was the visual that I saw. Okay. So very straightforward, uh, moving from one place to the next and actually going through a channel to get there. So you have to actually have some kind of conduit to take you to the other side. So the second question I have is what does God accomplish by taking us through our crossover events? What do you think God accomplishes by taking us through a crossover? Um, I'll start with Nicole on this one. So I think there are many things that are accomplished, um, by God taking us through a crossover. Uh, one is his will being done. So I think his, um, his will is for, um, mankind to be pulled to him and for his kingdom to be established. And so 
when he takes us through a crossover, um, it has is going to be something promoting his will, his name in the earth. Uh, and then more personally for the person experiencing the crossover, it's increasing your relationship with God and your faith. Because a lot of times you know that a shift is happening and you know that something is ahead, but you may not be able to exactly see what it is. And so you have to put all of your faith in God to order those steps, you know, as you're walking on that bridge, as Michelle was um, given the imagery, each step that you're taking on the bridge, it's into something unknown. And what you know is that God, you just have to know God is with you and that you're trusting him to order your steps. Okay, thank you. So him being in control, getting the glory out of your life, understanding that we have to accomplish um, his purpose and his will and not ours. So Michelle, what do you believe God accomplishes by taking us through our crossover events? So I believe that Definitely God is glorified as he takes us through these crossovers. And then I was looking at the scriptures that will be read later, and I realized how much you have to depend on God through the whole process. Like, yes, you may know in general terms what you're going to do, but you may not know what step one is, and then step two, and then step three. And so some of the scriptures that will be read later, you will get to hear some of the things, the instructions that the people received as they were crossing over. So that's one thing that really stuck out to me about the process is that there is like a process to cross over. Um, and usually the process is different from anything we've seen already. Um, example. The children of Israel left Egypt to go towards the promised land, but first they went through the wilderness. But before that, they had to cross the Red Sea. And when they were crossing the Red Sea, the, um, Moses held, up his, held out his staff, and then the water, winds blew the water separately and made a path in the middle of the water, and then they walked through on dry land. Um, and then after they crossed over, the water closed back over, but it crossed, it closed over their enemies, right? So they drowned. Now, when it was time for them now to cross over into Canaan, the actual promised land, 40 years later, they crossed over with a different leader and they crossed over through water. The water didn't totally go away like it did for the Red Sea. It just went down. It went all the way down. So it was almost like a, a creek where they could literally just walk through the water. And that's what happened with them. But the difference, too, was that the Ark of the Covenant was, was now created. And the priests stood in the middle of the water. And they had to hold the Ark there the whole time while all the people crossed over into the Promised Land. So um, the strategies are different for both crossovers. And so crossing over, you may have experienced a crossover years ago and you're like, eh, I've done this before. Not quite. <laughs> because the next one is not going to be exactly the same. And he's going to give you the steps 
to go to the next level. That was a complete answer. So uh, some of those points I actually had. So I'm going to move on. Very good. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to move on to the third question, which is now a little more personal. Give an example of a crossover event in your life and share what lesson you learned. So, hmm, I'll go first on, well, the first thing that came to mind, because there's a few, but the first one also had to do with a move. And like Michelle said, even though you cross over into the same, the same person can do a couple crossovers, but they're not the same process. So my first crossover was when I left New Jersey and went to Las Vegas. And that was, um, first of all, unexpected. And it took a lot of me being in the face of God to know exactly how he wanted me to do it. So leaving New Jersey meant I was leaving a job that I enjoyed. I, I loved my church family. I love being involved. And I felt that um, also my daughter was about to go to college and everything was just going into a whole nother phase, but it was also my time to do that switch. So that crossover, uh, I had a lot of doubts, but the Lord kept opening the doors. So when he opens the doors, that's how you know when it's time to go or it's time to do what he says. He also gave me a choice. So he said, if you do it, you'll see what blessings I have in store for you. But if you don't do it, you can remain the way you are. So in order for me to advance, I had to take that step. So I took the step. I, um, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was quite rough, meaning I had to discard everything that I knew about me. So everything that I was involved with, everything that, I had within my apartment that represented what I did. I kind of just got rid of everything and I left with just clothes. So it was just a starting over. I threw things in the dumpster that were like perfectly fine <laughs> and hoping that left them outside the dumpster, hoping other people would take the items because some of the stuff was really good and some of the things were new, but it was in obedience. I was trying to see what God had in store because he said, you won't see unless you do it. So a lesson I learned was trust. I learned how to trust God on another level. I learned, um, I understood that what I could see with my own eyes was not really what he had for me. So my thoughts and my ways were not his. He had a plan. He had a way to get me to where he wanted me to be, but I had to trust him enough to allow him to take me there the way that he was doing it. Um, it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of, um, there wasn't any disappointment. I have to say that I wasn't disappointed, but there were a lot of surprises and the way that he did things were in order. And so that's another thing about God. He's very orderly. He's very timely. He has it's kind of like a schedule, but it's just a matter of me just being willing and saying, yes, Lord, 
trust you. I trust you, Lord, with this process and just let him lead. And as he leads, it's like you're going through that channel. It, sometimes it's very narrow and dark, but at the same time, I had peace. And so that peace is what pushed me along. And I have to say that I have no regrets going through that or taking that route, even though a lot of people didn't understand. It wasn't for them to understand because I didn't understand. And there wasn't anything for me to explain because I couldn't explain it. But at the same time, I know when he's leading, I must follow. So I'm going to ask Michelle this question first. Give an example of a crossover event in your life and share the lesson that you learned. Okay, so a crossover event that popped up in my mind immediately was going to college. So we had came to the United States the year before I started college, went to high school for one year, graduated, started college. But the thing about me starting college, it wasn't just an ordinary kid starting college. My mother had just passed away, or our mother had just passed away just a few months before that. And so definitely our home was in kind of an upheaval as a result. Um, Grandma, I can't remember. I don't think she was working yet outside of the home. I don't think so. So it was just daddy that was working. And... um, I questioned the wisdom of going to college right after losing mommy because of the financial part of it. But then I started, I learned about grants and scholarships and things like that. And I applied. And so I got scholarships. I got grants. I did take out loans, but they weren't that much. And then I did college work study for those who are not familiar with what that is, is you work on campus in a different, in different areas where students can work and they credit those hours that you work towards paying off your bill. So several of us were in work study and, um, it wasn't that, <laughs> it wasn't that easy to do, you know, cause you you have to study you're, you know, for classes, you have to attend classes. You got to do all the stuff that you have to do. And on top of that, you have to work. But through all of the combinations of those things, I was able to finish. One point that I remember significantly was the last semester of college. I got called into the bursar's office and I was told that I would be sent home because there wasn't enough money to cover my tuition for that semester. I burst into tears immediately in front of the lady. I didn't plan to do that, obviously. But I was so upset because I'm like, man, I only have like a semester left to finish. What do you mean you're going to send me home? And so I left her office and I went into this room that we have at, at school that I took as my prayer room. And I went into that room and I really told God how I felt about the whole thing. And I'm like, God, you have to do something. You know, daddy's the only one working. You know, I can't work a separate job to make money. So how is this going to work? Well, within like a couple days, I got called back to the bursar's office. And the lady said, well, 
we were able to get you a scholarship to cover your tuition. And so she gave me the name and address of whoever it was that I guess gave a donation to the school. And it was a private, um, private college. So donations probably came from alumni or whatever. And so I got the address and everything and I sat down and I wrote probably one of the best letters I've ever written to anybody to thank them for their scholarship for me to finish college. And the one thing I learned, because I graduated, of course, the one thing I learned through those years is I had to trust God. I didn't have a choice because I couldn't figure out everything on my own day to day. There wasn't a guarantee of anything. So I had to trust God through the whole process, all those four years. And um, I even got sick there during my junior year and had to be rushed to the emergency room for emergency surgery. And that was a scary time as well. But I see that God's hand was upon me because the nurse diagnosed me. The school doctor didn't know what was wrong with me, but the nurse with a lot of years of experience whispered to the resident assistant and said, check on her. And she said, if the pain doesn't go away by such and such a time, take her to the ER immediately because she knew what was wrong. And the, the lady drove me and the lady kept looking at me. You're right. Cause I was in agony. And when I got to the hospital, they did a check and they said, Oh, we got to have surgery right now. What do we do? Who do we call? And my father got a call in the middle of the night to tell him that I was going to be operated on. And he had to give verbal consent over the phone for the surgery to be done. It was a scary time. But God was with me through that, all of those things. And I learned that I had to lean on God. Like I had no choice. There was no other way for things to work. We, I was going to school out of state, so I wasn't close by. And um, I didn't have a car, so I couldn't drive home. Um, yeah, so it was very, yeah, it was a very interesting time. And... I know God was with me throughout those years. That was very profound. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to ask uh, Nicole the same question. Give an example of a crossover event in your life and the lesson that you learned. So um, the story that I'll tell is with me transitioning from more educational experiences to having my career job, my first job. Um, and so, you know, I've been in school, I always say I've been in school since I was three years old. You know, you start with um, preschool. And so I've been in school my entire life up until I finished my um, graduate training. And, um, and then it, it's kind of like you're pushed out of the nest and it's like, okay, now you have to find your job. And that's kind of the last thing that you do in the, the, um, at the end of the training time. And so, you know, I knew that I didn't want to do any more schooling. I didn't want to do any more, you know, um, training or, um, residencies or fellowships or anything like that. I wanted to, you know, be done with that part and just go out to work. 
but I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to work. I didn't have any job prospects right away. And so, you know, I started looking around and, you know, seeing who was hiring and doing interviews and, you know, I would do an interview and I'm like, "Mm, I don't think that's it. You know, I didn't feel like that was the right uh, fit for me or that's, that wasn't the type of setup that I wanted. And so I was kind of trying to figure out what to do. And I have a mentor, um, you know, we were assigned mentors during our training time. And so my, you know, I was talking to my mentor, like, you know what, I don't have a job yet. And she was like, you know what, go talk to this person. And so I went and talked to the, um, other, um, attending physician and, um, they're like, you know what, my, my husband is looking to add someone to the practice. And so, um, you know, that, that, um, private physician had been in practice for many, many, many years and had worked many years just as a solo practitioner. And at that point though, you know, he was looking for, you know, to hire someone. And so out of, you know, the many, many, um, prospective um, candidates, they kind of tapped me on the shoulder, as you might say, and say, hey, you know, he's looking for someone. Why don't you go interview? And so I did. And I was able to get the job. And I was, you know, excited to actually have secured something and not be out there blowing in the wind, you know, trying to figure out what my next step is after finishing training. Um, And, you know, I was able to feel very comfortable in that um, job, you know, when I first started out. Even though I was a newbie, you know, I still felt like, hey, I can actually do this work. And the, the environment was conducive for me to still be able to read and study and, you know, continue to improve my um, knowledge base while also taking care of, you know, those that were entrusted to me to be caring for in the office and, um, and I know that that job has been a blessing. I've been there for 12 years and it has, um, given me the opportunity to grow and to learn, but also really afforded me the ability to, um, care for my family. You know, so there've been times where I've had to drop everything and leave the office because my oldest son has a lot of chronic medical, um, diagnoses and, my boss has been a blessing to my family because he would allow me to care for my family first. He wouldn't be like, well, you have obligations and you have to be here and these people, you know, you have a schedule. He actually would, you know, say, Hey, you know what? You need to take care of your family. And that has always been, um, a security, I guess, to me. And so I know, you know, through the the crossover, through all of this, you know, transition that I had at that point, that God does order your steps. So even when you are, you're looking and you're working, right? So you're busy, you know, if you're not sure what's, what to do, you're still busy. You're still trying to um, be productive. And in the midst of that, he will order your steps and he will um, send you in the right direction and allow you to be in a place where all your needs will be met. And it's not just for the here and now, but even for the future. So at that point, when I got the job, I had what I needed to, you know, financially help and take care of my family. But then for the future, I had an environment where I was able to continue to grow in my career, but also be able to have the support to help take care of my family. 
Um, but I know that God is definitely a God of strategy. And that's one of the things that I always am looking to him for, because we're not in the future. We don't know what is going to happen, but he is there and he knows what we need. And so we, we learn to depend on him and to look to him um, to guide our next steps. Thank you very much. So out of everyone's experiences, the biggest thing that I saw was trust. Um, we find it hard to trust, I think, uh, man. But when God says trust him, it's for a reason. So when you trust him and you really trust him, meaning let go, you know, they talk about the trust fall, where you just let go and just fall into the arms of, of people hoping that they catch you and they don't let you fall. See, God is not going to ever let you fall. So when um, I really can let go and let him do his work, it works out always, always for your good. And it's never a disappointment. I have to say that it's never a disappointment and never any regrets um, because it never actually goes the way you think it should. And that's the beauty of it. It's just that he's God. So his ways and thoughts are so much higher that um, it makes me humble. So it keeps me at a place where I stay humble because I know that I want to experience what God has for me and I want to stay in his will. And so the biggest thing I heard from everyone's story is trust. So that was the one word I came away with. Now I want to do a flip on the question and basically ask what are some possible negative effects of a crossover? Hmm. That was a little hard for me to figure it out. Not well at first, but then I thought of things like um, worship. So church in a church setting, different styles of worship, different kinds of music. So we may be used to one thing, um, being raised in the New Testament Church of God, and we've heard things a certain way, certain songs, hymns, um, giving glory to God and also the worship. But now I notice that it's changed a lot where I think we're catering more to the carnal, um, trying to draw people in from all different walks of life. There's nothing wrong with drawing them in, but we can't compromise the truth. And I feel sometimes that we get to the place where we're on the edge and we start to compromise. And uh, the compromise could be also in the preaching. We, we start to cater to them to the, the congregation or we're trying to have other kinds of people listen. And it's not that we don't care about um, other people and uh, from other walks of life and whatever choices they've made in life and the lifestyles, but we have to understand that God is God and whoever he is or who he is has not changed. So even though times have changed and man has changed, we have to make sure that we as believers do not lose our salt. So if salt loses its savor, it's therefore good for nothing but to be cast under the foot of men. So we don't want to lose our savor. We don't want to lose the, the true meaning of the gospel of Christ. And we still want to win souls. So it's important to remain different and stand out and 
to still represent Christ for who he is, still walking in integrity. Um, I feel sometimes the negative things come in the way and we start accepting other kinds of things in the church and we begin to think that it's the norm. So today, um, the message that I heard, it's still, they're still talking about the reset, but at the same time, they were talking about, the pastor was basically saying some things that the Lord was dealing with him on with the church. He said, I've been on this for weeks with the Lord. I've been praying. I've been before him. And now it's time to present it. When he presented it, it was, he said, people are going to be mad, but it was really about people's lifestyles. He said, now it's time for you to walk away from the things that are causing you to be distracted from serving the Lord, the things that are in the way. He says, you you say that you want to take a Sunday off or and you take Sunday off is family day. But he says, what's family day? You're in front of the TV watching football games. He said, the wife, the wife is on TikTok. The children are on Facebook. So he says, where is that family time now? Everybody's doing their own thing. And he says, that's just an excuse not to be in the house of the Lord. Um, responsibilities that we had, we no longer think they're important. We don't value church. We, we don't value our relationship with him. We don't value prayer. We don't value, uh, we don't remember where he brought us from. And we don't, we come and he says, all those great and wonderful things that God has done for you. And you come in his presence and you stand there and you don't even praise him. And I know I've heard that before, <laughs> time and time again from different pastors. But it's, he said, it's something that's really grieving the Lord's spirit. And he's very angry that his own people can't even praise him. The own, his own people that say, I trust you, Lord. I can't, you know, they can't praise him. And so the things that have become such a distraction for us, it really is what he wants to, he wants those things to become second and he wants to remain first because he is a jealous God. So he's saying all the things that you do on a Sunday that replaces church are not covered. He said those activities are no longer under the covering. Don't choose to work because you don't want to go to church. Don't say I'm coming in for another extra shift just because I don't want to be in church. Don't, um, you know, he's talking about sports events because a lot of times sports events takes, take place on uh, a Sunday. So he's like your children doing dance uh, recitals or uh, football games, uh, baseball, whatever it is they're doing. But he said now it's like replacing church. And he's saying those things are no longer under the covering. And he says, be careful. You're basically walking on dangerous ground. So he had the entire church basically repent today. And it's just that thing where I'm thinking about where I say the negative effects of crossover is where you start to move a little closer and closer to the things that do not please God, but you still have one foot in the church and one foot out. And so it really, God does not like lukewarm. Just remember, he does not like the lukewarm. You either likes you to be hot or cold. And so that's where I took my stand, where I wanted to think of something that was more on the negative part of a crossover. And that's what um, came to mind for me. So I would like to ask Nicole, um, what comes to your mind when you think of the negative effects or possible negative effects of a crossover? Um, I think, you know, 
for me, the way I look at the question or what came to mind when I heard the question was, um, as a person, as a human being, what can I see as a negative? And it, you know, cause I think we can look at it from the perspective of God, you know, how does God potentially see some things that could be negatives? But for me as a person, um, knowing that I am, uh, willful and selfish, um, if I'm at the point of a crossover or um, going through a crossover, then I have to a lot of times put aside my own plans or my ways or my will or my thoughts. You know, I may have thought through, okay, this is exactly what I need to do to get from point A to point B. Um, but to truly accomplish the crossover and to um, do it successfully, we really need to be submitted to God. And so in the crossover, in the process of the crossover, I have to leave behind my own strategy. And that can be difficult. I think that's the, the, the way that I'm looking at it is that that can be difficult. You, you have, you're like sacrificing yourself. And you're the one going through the crossover, but you're sacrificing yourself and your um, viewpoint on how it should be done in order to actually achieve it. And it can be very counterintuitive um, because most people are going to say, if I want to get from point A to point B, then I have to get myself there. But in reality, we have to lay that aside and be submitted to what God is saying to do and in his timing and um, his steps and his strategy. And that's the only way that we're actually going to win um, in the crossover. Thank you very much. Um, Michelle, what negative effects have, have you um, been able to think of as, uh, as it refers to a crossover? What do you think could be negative about a crossover? So I'm going back to my original example of the children of Israel. When they had left Egypt, they left in the middle of the night because they were doing the, the, pass, the first Passover where the angel of death had passed. They um, had put the blood on the doorposts and it passed over the people's firstborn who didn't do that died. And then now they were getting ready to leave shortly after that time. And when they left, they left in a hurry. And um, when they left in a hurry and were out in the wilderness now, they started to wonder about the wisdom of them leaving especially the way they left because they're like, wait, we're hungry. All right. So what, what are we going to eat now? Even if they took food with them after a while, you eat it all or you have to throw some of it away because it's spoiled or whatever. And so they were like, why did you bring us out here to die when we could have died in Egypt and then they started reminiscing on the food that they used to eat. They talked about leeks and onions and whatever else they used to eat when they were there. And they were actually longing for the food that they used to have, but they kind of forgot that they were slaves when they were there. 
So you're remembering selective memory, you know, you're remembering the quote unquote good times and you're not remembering that you were slaves for 400 years already, your, your people. So God chastised them, you know, reprimanded them. And Moses, of course, let loose on them. He, he always, he did that from time to time. And then eventually that's when they got introduced to manna. And so God provided for them, even though they thought it was a negative because, hey, they're in an uncomfortable place, in an uncomfortable position, um, in an unfamiliar place. It's dry. There's nothing growing there because it's a wilderness, a desert, whatever. God was still looking out for them. He was protecting them and providing for them. But that part of us, we tend to look back on what used to be and we reminisce and sometimes we think that maybe the life we had before was better. But if you really sat down and be honest with yourself, the life before sometimes was not better. Most times it wasn't better. We just have selective memory where we're choosing to remember the few good times that we probably had. And our new place, our, our transition, our crossover requires a new set of things. Just like what Suzette was saying, where she had to throw everything away or give things away because where she was going, none of those things would be needed. And she was starting over when she crossed over. And it's the same thing. The crossover many times involves starting over and we have to be willing to throw away all the things literally and figuratively from the previous thing and be willing to start with a clean slate in the new location. So that's, that's all I had to say. All right. So that takes us to the end of our first segment of our discussion on the word crossover. Um, there's a lot that came up, a lot of interesting things, but we will be back. So join us as we continue our discussion on the word crossover. Thank you for listening thus far. God bless. Mm -hmm.